is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 Landon Donovan, there are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross, and Dempsey is denied again, and Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through! Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! For the fourth time, the United States of America are crown champions of the world. From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. It is Friday, it is April 29th, and it is another installment of the greatest podcast on the face of the earth. Keena Troy, James Burley, foreign correspondent Michael Hernandez will join us as soon as he's off of the London Tube. James, big week full of Champions League, we had some... You know, United States domestic Champions League, CONCACAF style, with a thriller. And then also, things heating up in the Premier League as of last weekend. Much of the same at the top, but a really important, you know, fourth place match happening yesterday between Chelsea and United. And all of a sudden, third place doesn't look so secured for the Blues. Before we get into all that good stuff, James, it's been a minute since I've worked with you on the pod. How are you? I, I'm doing very, very well, Keenan. It's great to be back in studio on the podcast. It has been a little while for me, but I'm just really excited to be back, really excited to get going. And whenever Michael pops in, it's going to be good to see his face, too, through Zoom. Yeah, and, you know, we are anxiously, anxiously waiting the return of Mr. Hernandez because he had a front-row ticket, not literally front-row, but he was in the building for both Champions League legs in England this past week between City and Real Madrid, as well as Liverpool versus Villarreal. Let's save those for later. Let's save those for Mr. Hernandez because, you know, as much as he loves the Premier League, he loves the Champions League just as much. And if there's one thing we know Mr. Hernandez does not (laughs) care too much about, it's the domestic side of soccer. But you and I, unlike that anti-American soccer hater Michael Hernandez actually care about the CONCACAF Champions League, U.S. Open Cup, MLS, everything on the domestic side. James, let's be honest, you're a bigger fan than me. I did catch that Champions League first leg between Pumas and Sounders that saw a 2-2 draw with the Nico Ladero penalty kick, two of them, the one in the 99th minute which was just absolute scenes, it, it, it lived up to a European level. It lived up to the European level of what the drama of a Champions League final should be, but with the elements of CONCACAF that we know and love. Just the absolute terrible refereeing decisions on three penalties that probably only two of them should have been penalties, and for it to go over 100 minutes to get a 2-2 draw in a stadium of almost 70,000, the Olympic Stadium in Mexico City where Pumas play. It's just an absolute dogfight of a match. The Sounders were probably the better team for the majority of it. And now with leg two in a week, 2-2 draw on the first leg, 
this is really a big, big chance for MLS to finally get their first CONCACAF Champions League ever. And I think something that people aren't really thinking about if they win that CONCACAF Champions League is there's a chance you might see your Seattle Sounders in a Club World Cup. Can you imagine? In, in, Jordan Morris playing in a Club World Cup? Well, it should be the only World Cup he plays in in 2022, oh, but I digress. Fired. It would be incredible for, be the, awesome. for the American game, and for so many reasons, but I think primarily just for representation, because when you have what is hopefully to be, you know, it's already a million-dollar business, but if they really want to grow the game further in the States, the fact of the matter is just funding needs to be, you know, upped. We saw that yep. with... You know, the opening of all these ter- you know, terrific new stadiums across the United States. Nashville's getting theirs unveiled this weekend, which is absolutely gorgeous. Miami just got a deed uh, done today for a new one in, in the city limits. Yeah, and it's 40,000 I saw capacity, I think. Wow. So big. That's, that's huge. But returning back to that CONCACAF first leg in Mexico City where Pumas plays, I got to be honest, James, that game to me, especially, you know, after the 90, when we still had all that stoppage time to be played, it was hellacious. It was challenges flying in left, right, and center. The Pumas crowd going absolute ballistic. I was scared that, you know, the ref might not make it outside of Mexico de Efe. After that penalty call in the 90, 97th minute, eventually taken in the 99th, and then the goalkeeper, Talavera, picking up a yellow. You know, there were yellow cards all over the place. And I'm just super excited for next week's final leg because if this proved anything to us, is that it's lived up to the billing, and hopefully the Sounders can be the first United States side to do it in a while. Yeah, they, they have shown that not, and we know this through MLS recent history that the Sounders have the quality to win trophies. They were probably the most dominant team of the 2010s in Major League Soccer. You know, champions in 2019 and 2017 uh, and three of the four finals within those last four years, including losing in the final in 2020. But they really haven't done it in the Champions League before, and this is that year for them. When you look at other MLS final appearances in the Champions League, though, whether it was RSL in 2011, I believe, they did well and choked in the final. Toronto in 2018 did well, choked in the final. Montreal in 2015 did well, choked in the final. You know, like they would do well in the first leg and struggle in the second leg. That has been the history of MLS teams reaching the final of the CONCACAF Champions League. I hope that Seattle, with their additional quality, can flip the script. Um, and they do have that initial qual- uh, additional quality that those other teams didn't. When you've got guys like Raul Rui Diaz, Nico Lodero, Jordan Morris, Albert Rushnak, Joao Paulo, and that's not that's just the tip of the iceberg. You have Stefan Fry in goal. Like, this, is, this is an MLS team built for a title in any sort of competition that they can play in. They are the better team on paper than Pumas, with the exception of uh, Juan Dineno, who scored two goals and has been amazing in the Champions League. He scored nine goals total, I believe, for Pumas. It's it's Seattle's game to win. And now that they're coming home in front of a likely full uh, stadium, Lumen Field now it's called, I almost said CenturyLink, 
63,000, I believe that stadium holds. This is this is their game to lose, and it's also their game to win. I hope Seattle can sort it out. Um, I, I feel a little gross rooting for a MLS team that isn't my New York Red Bulls, but it would mean so much to American soccer to not only get another win over a Mexican team, because we love doing that, and we've been doing that for the past couple of years now, thank God, but the exposure that this could get if Seattle Sounders go to the Club World Cup, sneak away one win, and then get a chance to play against um, whoever wins the Champions League this year. Can you imagine like a, a game with stakes of Seattle Sounders versus Manchester City? Like, What would that mean for American soccer? And imagine if they get a result out of that. Like, I can dream. That's not going to happen. But the building blocks are there. Let's hope in the second leg they get it done and they go to the Club World Cup. Yeah, and you know... If they are in the Club World Cup, you you just hope they don't embarrass the good name of the MLS because if you're going <laughs> up against whoever eventually wins the Champions League and the Europa League, it's going to be a giant. And we've seen you know teams like Flamenco put in good performance against Liverpool a couple of years ago. You just have to maintain that same edge that we saw in Mexico City that the we know the Sounders can play with. And really, any MLS team can play with that. You know, they might be outskilled, but they certainly won't be outworked. That all being said, the MLS talk is over. The word on the street is that foreign correspondent Michael Hernandez is trying to join the Zoom. Michael, how are you, my man? I actually just got back to the flat from watching a championship match. It was a QPR against Sheffield. Uh, first half was a bit of a mess, but second half, it was, it was way better. Uh, yeah, and I'm just happy to be here. Pleasure to have you, Michael. A little bit of a song and dance to get you, but it's always good to see you. And, you know, for the first time in a while since I think you've been stateside, I've had the pleasure of watching your facial expression on a monitor because normally you're tucked away in the corner, but right now you're front and center in the studio. And I'm, it's, it's a pleasure for me because, you know, we got through our MLS talk, so we can't watch you roll your eyes emphatically about us proclaiming MLS. Yep, and, you know, that's that's what we missed, Michael. The finger gun to the head when we talk about MLS is the best league. But wait till the Sounders win the Club World Cup, and then <laughs> you won't be saying much anymore. If that happens, if that happens, I will get a tattoo of the Sounders. Oh. 10.30 on FUVFC, April 29th, 2022. Timestamp it. 5.52 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. Yeah, Sounders, yeah, 10, Sounders it's, Club it's, World it's Club. yeah. Michael if they Hernan somehow beat... Whoever wins the Champions League, which, James, you said was Manchester City, I'll deal with that later. That, that was an example. They're one of the four teams left. Yes, but, I mean, anyway, I'm sure we're going to get to that, like, right now, actually. So Yeah, so perfect segue of Michael being hot and bothered about Man City potentially winning the Champions League. As we talked about at the start of the show, we had a really good two games played in England in the midweek between City and Real Madrid, and then another English side versus another Spanish side. Michael's holding up his brochures because he went to both. It was Liverpool versus Villarreal. Mike, you are on. You are in the stadium for both. Yep. We're going to kick it off to you before we get into any analysis. Just talk us through the atmosphere differences between City and then up in Liverpool. Also, if you want to touch on, you know, favorite moment from each game obviously the Liverpool game was a little bit more of a boss performance than that of City City was much more open from pretty much the opening kickoff and you know just looking at the Etihad it looked to be you know a lot of more 
away versus and home sides kind of like each having their equal chance versus that Villarreal versus Liverpool game where it was the Reds in control for all 90. Yeah, so um, for the Etihad, um, they actually had like the flags uh, for every um, every fan, like uh, in my section. So like when the game started, everyone w- were flying the flags. You know, like it, it had an actual atmosphere. Um, and as for Liverpool, I'd say that uh, the best moment from that uh, was after the second goal. So so we're two nil up, and then every and then the entire uh, stadium just starts a chant. Like uh, I, I tried to record it, but it doesn't do it justice. Uh, but yeah, like both atmospheres uh, were amazing, and you know, since uh, I'm I'm in London, I kind of had to you know had to do it for uh, for the podcast. So you know, I'll, I'll take one for the team, and I'll and, and I'll gladly go uh, to both of these matches. But um, yeah, I mean, it was a it, it was a great. <laughs> I see I see that Keenan. Um, no, it, it was a great ad- atmosphere. Um, the, the city match was a, was a thriller. You know, seven goals. You know, you had Benzema uh, having a brace, including a Panenka down the middle, which. You know, to do that in a semifinal, and then you also had a, a Vinicius absolutely, you know, making a joke out of Fernandinho in the lead up to that, into that, uh, into the other goal. So you know, it, it was just a great atmosphere all around. My, Michael, what would we do without you? Not if if you weren't bravely stepping up and going to these Champions League matches. Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, probably you wouldn't have uh, any. Uh, you probably wouldn't have an, uh, an international correspondent. But, you we know, don't worry, have, James. We wouldn't have anybody with every brochure, every jersey from every team. But nonetheless, yeah, he's going to get the jersey collection. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, I already sent that back. I'm grabbing the, the the brochure collection. The brochure collection is coming out. We really wish we had a video component for today's episode. I didn't think it'd be so visually engaging, but yeah. you never know when Mr. Hernandez jumps on the call. James, well, he's finding whatever he's finding. You and I can talk just like we were before Michael jumped on. I have to think advantage Real Madrid after that first leg, especially with that Benzema penalty being awarded late. And also, if City very well could have had six or seven, realistically, just in terms of their form for the first 80 minutes of the match. Started to slip away from them after that Benzema penalty. Kind of played for the one-goal advantage going into Madrid. But we've seen this Madrid team be so dynamic, especially when they're at home. And the form that Karim Benzema's in, and then obviously Vinny Jr., as Michael pointed out with that beautiful dummy nutmeg on Fernandinho that he goes solo, it looks as though it's advantage Madrid just because I think that was the best performance we've seen out of City in the Champions League since that sporting Lisbon dismantling, which, let's be honest, wasn't... Men against boys. Right. So I think, you know, we saw them play Atleti and just beat Atleti, getting one goal from De Bruyne in the first leg and then just allowing Simone to do, you know, Simeone to do whatever he wants. I think, though, in this first leg against Madrid, that was some of the best soccer we've seen from City, who, you know, there's been questions about their form, especially after they got throttled by... Liverpool in the FA Cup semis. It was really, really strong from City in almost every regard, but yet Madrid will settle, I will say, for a one goal, trailing by one goal, excuse me, going back to the Bernabeu. And, you know, I think that this Real Madrid team is going to scorch City in the second leg. It's it's very rare that you have 
um, fans of any team in the world be dissatisfied with a 4-3 win over Real Madrid. But that is kind of the consensus for Manchester City fans right now, is that they didn't get the job completely done. And I understand, because this game was very, very open for Man City to have won big in that first half. They were smacking Real Madrid around. At one point, it was 3-1. That, that Vinicius goal two minutes after the Foden goal was the turning point. That That was the bridge between what could have been a disaster, and now it's still a very, very manageable uh, tie for Madrid to get back in. A first-half goal from Real Madrid at the Bernabeu in the second leg, and I think Man City's done for. It, it comes, it's going to come down to which team has the better start in this second leg, and it's anybody's game. Man City have more quality, but Real Madrid also have the home advantage and Benzema. Now, the home advantage didn't really, really show until that second half against Chelsea. Um, That game was also almost as wild as this 4-3 City Madrid game was. But I'm just so curious to see how these teams can get the ball rolling in that first half of this second leg. Because City have a one-goal cushion, but that is a very, very vulnerable cushion. Madrid, however, have a mountain to climb, but it's looking like more and more of a shorter hill when we dissect the actual consequences of the ramifications of getting three goals against City in Manchester. That was huge. And just in the way that they did it, too, battling back so much resilience in a game that they should have been out at halftime. That is the making of a team that can win a tournament especially because it's against perhaps the favorite to win the tournament in Man City. I, I, I don't see a way in which um, Real Madrid don't at least fight to the 90th minute to get this one-goal deficit overturned. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, uh, as you guys have both said, that first half was was all City. I mean, they, they, they could have scored, you know, way too many goals and just put this tie, you know, uh, and just put it to bed. But, you know, um, uh, Madrid was able to hang in there. And, you know, with the second leg at the Bernabeu, um, I've had the pleasure of of actually going there um, in my time here. And, and, you know, like that atmosphere will be electric. And I wouldn't put it past, you know, Madrid, especially with Benzema, because 41 games, 41 goals. He is on, you know, he could be, you know, he could win the Ballon d'Or depending on what happens in the Champions League and, you know, they're basically going to win uh, the Spanish league. So, you know, I wouldn't put it past them. And, you know, I, I would say that it's definitely, you know, it is possible for them to, I wouldn't say do a comeback because it's, it's only one goal. It's only one goal lead, but, you know, I could definitely see them, you know, it, it, and it's all, it's all about what you said earlier, whoever gets that first goal or, you know, it depends on how they start. Cause if, cause if Madrid get that first goal within 10 minutes, you know, it, it's fair game and the momentum will be with them because they're at home. And, you know, I, it, it, it's just going to be a great second. Uh, it's going to be a great second leg. It's going to be a great second leg. I wish I could say the same for the other tie because in that Liverpool versus Villarreal game, it was literally all Liverpool, 65% possession of the ball. Villarreal with one shot on target. Liverpool, you know, Took him a while to wake up, I think, admittedly, for Liverpool fans. It was a Unai Emery first half that he was more than comfortable with. I think there were some dodgy moments from Ruli and Net, who elected the punch far too frequently, and it almost cost him a couple times. 
Granted, Liverpool did have their chances to find goals. Salah continuing, I don't want to say his run of poor form, but, you know, definitely not the form we're used to seeing him have. A couple of first-time finishes he's had that he absolutely skied into the cup end. And then, obviously, that Thiago absolute thunderbolt that struck the outside of the post what probably would have been one of the goals of the tournament. Tournament? Tournament? If not the goal of the tournament. But it was that first half that I think Unai Emery was more than okay with. And then Liverpool get a little bit fortunate on a Jordan Henderson deflected cross that really comes out and anticipating the cross, and he flaps at it, tips it into his own net. And then a really strong team goal, obviously, Salah combining with Mane, who just stays onside to poke a pass, really, to make it 2-0. rest of the game, Liverpool was comfortable seeing out. Yes, there were chances for them to get another. We think about Robertson straying off sides. Diaz, Jota, obviously looking potent around the 18, just couldn't find that final gear to make it 3-0 and to make it a little bit more comfortable. You know, guys, we talk about Madrid being down one goal going into a home match at the Bernabeu. For Villarreal, it's only two. Is there any hope for them, though? I just I struggle to see them attack this second leg, not even on a pure skill basis of Liverpool, because, you know, if you're Real Madrid, you might be thinking we have the class and the talent within our side that might not be equal to that of uh, Manchester City, but we know we're close. Versus Villarreal, it's still that question of we're a smaller club in Spain that's really punching above our weight and with a big knockout win over Bayern. No one expected us to be here. Will the fairy tale run continue? I'm not so sure, but you know, a two nothing deficit still. It's an early goal away from being the ties back on and Liverpool starting to sweat a little bit more. Yeah, it, it is. It's this. It's a similar dynamic, but of course, Villarreal do not have the quality of Real Madrid. I like how you said, how do they attack this game? Because um, they have to actually attack. I understand the approach they took against Liverpool at Anfield. Uh, Unai Emery, you got to give him a lot of credit. Um, he's done wonders with this VRAL team. He, the great first half executed the plan perfectly. But unfortunately, when you absorb that much pressure, pressure uh, the bounces are not going to go your way. Luck is not going to be on your side. And that's what that first goal was, an own goal. Um, as it was classified off of a deflected cross. Um, and then moments later, Liverpool capitalized on the momentum and got another one. And and that's how these games usually go when you sit back like that against a much, much stronger opponent. With that said, Villarreal are no pushover. They're they're a very good side. Uh, I mean, they, they've admittedly um, not been amazing in La Liga. They're in, I believe, seventh, just outside of a Europe spot, which is crazy to think about considering... They knocked off Bayern, and it didn't look, like, absurd. If you watch those matches, they, they, they deservedly got through, but they only scored a goal in each of those games. So to expect them to get two at home is a lot. I know it might not sound like a lot, but it's going to be a lot against Liverpool. Their support is going to be fantastic. We saw that uh, in their Europa League run last year. We saw that away at Liverpool. Michael, I'm sure you could speak to that. Their away support was fantastic. But it's it's going to be too 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 much, in my opinion, to get two goals. If they do get a very early goal, though, that 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 momentum and that crowd is going to come alive, and that's where they can make the difference. Uh, they are still missing 
some pretty big players. I don't I don't know if Gerard Moreno is going to be available. I don't believe he is. He he wasn't available this past week. I, I'd have to look into that a bit more. And that's a big big loss. The Spanish uh, international forward. I I don't see Villarreal having enough quality to overcome Liverpool. It w- it would have to come down to again, like I said about City, or like I said about Madrid, an early goal. And I don't think Villarreal have that in them. But if they prove me wrong and do get that early goal, it's anybody's game. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. Um, going back to the VRL away fans, so um, I was actually seated right next to them, and and you know they were actually um, you know very uh, respectful. And, and actually, at the end of the match, we actually like uh, a majority of the Liverpool fans actually were like uh, we were clapping at the away section, which is something that I haven't seen before, especially uh, at, in a game like this. But one thing wow. to note about VRL's previous matches is that going into the second leg. They haven't been down like in the in Bayern. They actually had the advantage, and and against Juve, they were actually going uh, equal because it was one one on aggregate, if I'm not mistaken. So like this is the first time in the knockout stages that they're like actually, you know, losing if if if, if things end you know in a zero zero. Um. So obviously you know it's gonna cause a bit of a different game plan because obviously you know the first half you know they wanted to you know go into Anfield and just don't concede. Because then you know it it creates an entirely different dynamic, and and for the first half, like you said, you know they did that perfectly. You know they they were basically you know parking uh, the submarine because you know they're called I think they're called the yellow submarine, um, and, and you know so. Um, but um, you know uh, with Liverpool's attacking options, it was you know just just way too much, um, and you know I'm not gonna say that you know. Um, that we're definitely in because, you know, it is the Champions League. We all said that, oh, Bayern will definitely advance and look what happened. Um, so, you know, I, I would have wished that Liverpool had scored more maybe so that maybe we could do some rotation, especially with, you know, the, uh, how close the Premier League is, you know, with just one point in it. But, you know, um, knowing Klopp and he just signed another uh, extension. So, you know, hopefully that they'll be able to use all of this momentum and you know, uh, able to control uh, the Villarreal crowd at home and, and and get to the final. Michael, you bring up a good point and something I want to transition to for our last ten minutes or so together, boys. Is Michael emphasized squad rotation and how important it would be for either side to really go, you know, two or three goals up into the second leg, so you know you don't have to play your best eleven. Obviously, if you're a team like Liverpool, you still need you know. Van Dyke in there, probably Alexander Arnold, but you could give Robertson an off day. You probably could give Thiago in the midfield an off day and rotate, you know, probably Salah or Mane or the combination of the two out and only start either those two or Diaz, one of the three, and kind of play a weaker B side in next week's tie and then make adjustments as seen fit because the Premier League title race is, you know, it's been close all year. We talked about it on last week's episode. One point still between the front two. And obviously, both of them sit in a similar position heading into the Champions League next week. Liverpool this weekend, tomorrow at 7.30 a.m. against Newcastle. City goes tomorrow at noon against Leeds. Gentlemen, I, I just it's been this question the entire year of whether we're going to see A, either of these teams who's going to flinch first and drop points, which right now it looks like neither in the Premier League. But B is which team, backed by which manager, is going to be the first to 
put out a weaker lineup in a Premier League match. And obviously, I think, you know, both of them get the luck of the draw of playing on Saturday. And, you know, that's enough of a recovery period where most of the guys can go again. That being said, I just wonder about City's depth. And obviously, Jesus coming into form and really, you know, propelling this Manchester City attack forward and being a true number number nine as his Arsenal rumors swirl. I just wonder that the more Pep changes this front three, you know, can he afford not to have Phil Foden on the pitch to start a match? I don't think so. The run of form that Jesus is playing in, I don't know if there's anyone we've seen from City that go and play that number nine anywhere near the ability that Jesus is. Not saying that Jesus is an Aguero, but, you know, we remember that match again against Brighton that they won 3-0, all three second-half goals. That wasn't until Jesus came on the pitch that that front three started to have shape. This all being said, I'm not sure what squad rotations are going to look like, but as the Champions League comes down to the wire and so does the Premier League, you got two of the best in the business in Klopp and Pep, you know, making those adjustments for their sides. I, I just wonder, you know, who's going to be the one to mess up a lineup and somebody have an off day or somebody not be fully fit or fully ready to go, and then the manager gets put under the microscope as... Why are you changing what isn't broken? It comes at an interesting time, too, that you say that, because Klopp's just signed this new contract. Um, uh, I don't know if you guys watched the tribute video he made after signing the contract where he like thanked the fans and the club, but even as someone who is has no room in my heart for Liverpool, I couldn't help but understand the wholesomeness of that and how much he means to the club and how much that club means to him. Furthermore, if you look at last year's Champions League final, Manchester City were criticized because Pep did not put out a proper defensive midfielder in that game. And if you look at the gap where Havertz receives the ball, or I think it was Mount receives the ball to play Havertz in for the goal, it was the gap that Rodri should have, would have filled in, all that. So if you want to look back on uh, recency bias and say which manager is going to overthink it, my answer would be Pep. However, Keenan, I'm glad you said that they're two of the best in the business because this Saturday at 12.30, Pep Guardiola is going to be going up against the very best in the business in Jesse Marsh, the American gladiator, taking on the Premier League by storm. Essentially, the job's not done yet, knock on wood, but he's going to keep leads up. He's going to bring them to Europe next year. That's all going down. The same way he elevated the New York Red Bulls to glory winning two supporter shields in his time. I love the man. Pep Guardiola is going to drop points, and I never, I don't like supporting Liverpool. I don't like supporting Man City either, but regardless, Liverpool fans are going to become the biggest Jesse Marsh fans after this weekend when he takes points away from Manchester City. I couldn't agree more. I <laughs> if, if he pulls it off, if he gets a tie, or if, he, or, or if he upsets City, he will be one of my top five favorite coaches just of all time. But going back to what Keenan said about, you know, which team might, you know, rotate even more. I'm going to say that Liverpool, because if you take a look at the upcoming fixtures, Liverpool also have the FA Cup final. So, you know, that's another final. That's another game. Because instead Put out of the playing... U19s, you still might beat this terrible Chelsea side. That's I'm true. sorry, what? I said, if you put out the U19s, you still might beat this terrible Chelsea side. They have looked awful as of late. Yeah, but if you remember what happened the last time we faced at Wembley, you know, that was a, a, a stressful match. Uh, to watch but like if, if, if but it, you know if you take a look at the road to, you know because then after that they play two days later against Southampton 
So it's, you know, like that's even, you know, less time in between games. So huge, huge uh, decisions for Klopp. But, um, you know, regardless of what's going to happen, you know, this has been a huge, huge battle against, you know, two of the heavyweights currently in, in football. You know, we have, you know, potentially the two greatest teams, not only in England or in Europe or, or possibly even the world, you know, in this epic battle, you know, that, that, that there's just one point in between. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, if, if, if Marsh can pull it off, I will be, you know, the happiest man on earth, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to hold off, but, you know, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be an amazing title race. And lastly, Mike, as we start to wrap up here and James, James, I'll open the floor up to you because United is down, but not, well, now they're out. Now I think we can all agree and say that they're out. They were yeah. needing a big result against Chelsea last night after losing to losing to Arsenal week prior. Ronaldo is single-handedly saving this club. I watched the highlights of that match this morning just because I was busy doing other finals prep while the match was happening, and I didn't really wasn't really bothered to watch you know united disgrace their name any further the 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 youtube comments were as as follows of this is de gea and ronaldo versus a chelsea side because the between the two of them their form is great everyone in between is struggling at best needs to go probably for most yeah definitely and they're not lying about it too like that's this is coming straight from the club Eric Tenag has, has made it clear he's bringing in eight to ten new players next season. That is massive. This is arguably the biggest club in the world, and they're completely overhauling it from the ground up. That has never been done in my lifetime. It's 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 shocking to see what the club has come to. They're out of the top four race. Um, real quick, I want to mention about Liverpool though. I know we strayed away from it, but they got Newcastle away. That is not an easy task. That is one of the most difficult places to play in Europe across the board. And Newcastle have been in fantastic form lately. They've worked their way all the way up to mid-table. So watch out, Liverpool fans. Even though Jesse Marsh is definitely going to get the job done against City, you you guys haven't secured all three points yet either. As for Manchester United, they are with two more games played, three points behind Tottenham, five points behind Arsenal, kiss Champions League goodbye, kiss Ronaldo goodbye because he's not going to play in the Europa League um, but that's okay because next year is going to be a complete overhaul for Manchester United Eric Tenag is going to bring the players he wants to bring in he's made that very clear and it's going to be a brand new team at every position except for maybe the fullbacks because Diogo Dalot is young maybe except for Anthony Alanga I, Bruno Fernandes I don't see how they move on with pieces like Fred and Harry Maguire and and all these guys that people love to hate now. Marcus Rashford, one of them, which has really been the most disappointing just because of such a great human being he is and because of how much potential he has, how much athleticism he has. That's going to be so weird to watch moving forward. But I also did see, I read something the other day, some guy on Twitter compiled a list of results that if they shaked out a certain way, if Arsenal wins 3-0 this weekend and Tottenham loses 2-1 and then Tottenham beats Arsenal when they play the following week, if it turns out a certain way, we could get the exact goals for, goals allowed, and points for Arsenal-Tottenham and head-to-head. So it would have to come down to an extra playoff match for uh, the Champions League spot. 
And I don't know, if you're not rooting for that, you hate fun. And that's all I want to see. I have, I have that tweet bookmarked. I want to see those results go down in the perfect way possible so we can get that extra Tottenham-Arsenal game. That would be the greatest thing that's ever happened. It's not going to happen. No, it's like not. you, you are not going to play in Champions League, which is sad when you have, you know, you know, when you have one of the greatest players of all time. But you know, uh, you know, there is a bit of excitement because you know, because you have Ten Hag uh, coming in. So you know, um, hopefully, you know, you guys actually do well because you know, I mean, don't get don't get me wrong. You know, the the five nil uh, and then the four nil after that. You know, amazing, amazing for me. But you know, it it, it would be nice to see you know one of the greatest teams, you know, finally do something, I guess. Yeah, it'll be an interesting week and a half, not only in the fate of United, not in the fate of James's scoreboard watching and praying for some bonus soccer at the end of the season, but more specifically as, you know, we look to this time next week, we'll be one more match closer to deciding how the Premier League's going to shake out. Madrid can clinch this weekend. La Liga with a win and then some help along the way. And obviously, we will have our Champions League final set by this time next week. All that stuff will be super fun to look into, super fun to get into, just because as we touched on it, gentlemen, with soccer, so much can happen. So Villarreal, certainly not out. Madrid, you wouldn't like to say they're favored, but they're favored at least to put in a good showing. And James, I was hoping it would go under the radar, but Newcastle away. I still have flashbacks to that Origi header a few years Mm -hmm. back. That saw Liverpool secure must-win three points at St. James's. They ultimately lost to City in the title race by one point. Hopefully that doesn't happen again this year. That all being said, up Jesse March. Sounders, this upcoming week, they're going to the Club World Cup. Michael Hernandez is getting a tattoo because we have the timestamp now, Michael. No, 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 no. I said if they win the Club World Cup. Yeah, I know, but the first first step if is they, getting if there. If they win, if they win, then I may have well, done a great mistake. Michael, you you missed this original part of the show, but I'll have you know that whenever a MLS team does well in the first leg of the CONCACAF Champions League final, they blow it in the second leg. So you have nothing to worry about. Seattle's going to break See, the hearts of American soccer that, fans again. Like Ray Salt Lake did, and Toronto did, and Montreal did. By saying that, I feel like you've just done the reverse, and now they will make it to the Club World Cup. That was the intention, actually. I'm going to have to worry, and whenever the competition is played, that that they might shock and and, and defeat, uh, hopefully, uh, Liverpool in, in the final or however... Uh, that that competition works. So oh, that would be fantastic. For me. Oh, that would mean so much to me if an MLS team beat Liverpool in a game that had actual stakes. <laughs> That's gonna do it for this week's episode. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Appreciate Michael running back from a championship match to talk about Champions League, the real league, and showing off all of his goodies. James Burley recovering from an ACL tear. James, it's always great to have you here. It's great to be here. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Tomorrow, Liverpool kicks off at 7.30. You can snooze through the midday matches because they mean nothing. And then watch Jesse Marsh absolutely dismantle. And later that night, 8 p.m., New York Red Bull, Chicago Fire. Come on, you men in red. Chicago's red and white. Take care, guys. So is New York, so that, that works.
All right, Mike. I, I, I may have done a mistake with, with that promise if, if the Sounders somehow pull off the impossible. Maybe, maybe I, I really hope they do. I, I, I hope not. But don't forget, City also faced Newcastle. They also face uh, Wolves. And West Ham. West Ham and Villa. Villa last day, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, maybe Steven Gerrard can make up for the good old slip. From, uh, what was it, 14? Yeah, 14, 15. Or 13, 14. I don't know. Hopefully, because... I, uh, I Well, Liverpool also has Villa. Mm-hmm. Liverpool has... Villa. We have Newcastle, Villa, and, and, and not in the order, because I don't know it off the top of my head. Southampton, Tottenham, Wolves. I think that's it, because there's five. So... 